0: If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello, and welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. I am so glad you're here. Today we're talking about a topic that has been so important to me and I am so excited to share it with you. Today we're talking about this thing that happens with most of us where we carry shame and regret in regards to our journeys and our stories. And a lot of us get stuck in that place and it is very difficult for us to move past it. And so today we're going to talk about how to own your story, to own every part of it, not with shame, not with guilt, not with regret, but owning it as though God himself ordained the decisions that you made, the steps that you took. What a freeing place that would be, right? Well, it's possible, and we're going to tackle that today. So I can't wait to get into this episode with you. Before we dive in, I have to say... Last week was probably one of my favorite episodes I've done so far on this show, and if you missed it, I cannot encourage you more to go back and listen to that episode. I interviewed Jim Lee, who's a pastor, a therapist, a counselor, and who specializes in this amazing part of healing where we can go remove trauma from our bodies because our bodies apparently have this way of storing trauma anyway I could go on and on I'm still chewing on what he said and I know that it resonated with a lot of you too because I received so much feedback from you guys on that episode so if you were one of the few that missed it please do yourself a favor and go listen to that episode because it was absolutely fantastic so all that being said If you are benefiting from this podcast, if it is doing something to better your day, to better your week, to even better your life, you can support this show. And how you can support it is super easy. You can rate us on iTunes. You can subscribe. You can leave a review. All of those things really do help this show keep moving and help other people find it. So I just want to encourage you, if you are getting stuff from these episodes, do us a favor and rate, review, subscribe. They all really, really help. All that being said, cannot wait to tackle this subject. So here we go. back to the Behind the Mirror podcast. Today, I'm going to share with you from my own story about learning to own your story and not feel like it's something that you have to constantly apologize or feel shame for or excuse away, but how to really own our stories in a way that shows that that we love who we are, that we love our journey, and that it's not something we feel we need to hide. I'm going to start by just saying that some of what I may say about this and the way that we view um, our journeys may cause you to bristle a little bit, especially if you are inside of church or have been raised inside of church like myself. Because what I'm going to say may buck um, a lot of the ways that you've been taught to view your journey or other people's journeys. Um, So I'm just going to say that at the top that I'm I'm aware it might it might bristle a little bit at the beginning but if you stick with me I promise that that this shift in our perspective will bring so much freedom to you and your story and your journey and where you want to go with your life. So I'm just going to start with a little bit of background. Growing up in church as you know if you've Followed any of my work or listened to any of these podcasts that I I come from a place of evangelical faith community upbringing right that's that's the the backstory that I bring to the table and in that backstory is and it was subtly taught throughout my um, journey inside of church that the more colorful the more um, extreme, the more ugly, the more messy story that you have that then all of a sudden a testimonial story of Jesus entering in and changing, like the more powerful that is, right? And this is subtly done, that's never outwardly said, but but it starts with, I remember being younger and hearing testimonials, right, of people in church and as I grew up and media became more of a big deal, they do it through video testimonials or what have you. And you'd see this person up on a platform sharing their story of drug addiction or their story of cheating on their spouse, or those are especially popular on all the marriage seminar stuff, or... Um, a story of being, you know, a liar or a cheat or or money issues, whatever. They have this extravagant story and you're captivated by the wildness of that story. And then they hook you with the, but then I met Jesus and then everything changed. And then my marriage got healed. My spouse forgave me or... I decided to let go of all of that greed or I got free from my addiction to alcohol or drugs, right? It's always this before and after dramatic effect that leaves the audience, me as a young girl, going, wow, this whole Jesus thing is like amazing. It takes these awful stories and turns them around. Okay, I'm not knocking at all on the power of an encounter with the divine, Or an encounter um, with with this Holy Spirit Jesus movement thing that leaves you changed. I am not bucking that at all. I am a um, receiver of encounters like that. Those encounters have marked my journey and my life. But threaded throughout these testimonials in my career growing up in church, right, you quickly got a um, disdain or a distaste for anything in a person's story that was anti the Jesus story, right? That was anti the faithful, the giver, the um, healed, the whole, the um, non-alcoholic, non-cheater, non-thief, non-drug addict, right? Anything that is opposite of this perfect, wholesome picture It was threaded into me to believe that those were all bad, shameful behaviors that had nothing to do with Jesus and nothing to do with the gospel story. And I guess maybe that's true to a degree. You know, we want, all of us want to live a wholesome, whole life. That is that is the whole journey, right? I mean, we come into this world and we want the good stuff. We want the good things. Nobody wants their life to fall apart. That's not at all what I'm suggesting. But I think part of the journey includes the falling down. It includes the ending up at a dead end and a roadblock or two. That is part of the journey and part of the the human experience that I think we have in the church made that part to seem shameful and made that part to seem unworthy of having its own merit and its own place value in our timeline. And so today, I I want to share with you how I got through that, how I muddled my way through um, separating my myself from shame because I'm assuming you, like me, have pieces in your journey you're not proud of, pieces in your journey that you feel a little bit of like shame over. Um, and unfortunately, carrying shame over parts of your story and your journey, they minimize the beauty of that part of your story. My grandma um, used to have a saying and And it was even mentioned by my cousin at her funeral. And her saying was always this, there are no mistakes in life. There are only errors in your perception. And it took me a long time to agree with that. Because again, growing up the Christian way, or I should clarify the American Christian way, um, I didn't believe that to be true. Of course there are mistakes. Any time that you choose wrong such as away from how God would want you to live. That's a mistake, and you need to repent for that mistake, and then you need to turn, repent, and go a different way. That's what was ingrained into me. And so this pressure to make sure you live a perfect life and don't make mistakes was very there my whole upbringing And it wasn't until I got into adulthood that I started to appreciate the valleys in my journey, that I started to appreciate the hard, painful stuff that I didn't really know that I could say were mistakes. Looking back, I think we see things in our life that we wish would have turned out differently or with hindsight, we can look back and say, oh, that was not a great decision. But, you know, we can spend a lot of time beating ourselves up over that. And um, this really came true for me in a recent therapist session. Um, My therapist and I were talking and I was just on this rampant path of kind of just dogging on myself, you know, and why, I don't know why I made that choice when I was 18. I don't know why I made that choice when I was 23. I don't know what I was thinking when I chose this person to be with. I mean, just on and on and on. And she looked at me and she was like, Anna, why are you projecting wisdom that you have now in your late thirties onto your 18 year old self? Why are you doing that to yourself? Who you were then is drastically different from who you are now. And the wisdom you have now is probably in part due to the decisions you made when you were 18. You learned. You gained wisdom. And, you know, I've had listeners um, reach out to me and, and they've shared these similar ways of thinking about their stories in that they are like, Oh, I just, I wish I hadn't made this choice. And now, you know, I, I I don't want anybody to know that this happened. I'm just going to cover it up and, um, repent and go to God. And it's all just going to be washed away, but no one really needs to know that part of my journey. And, and I have just been grieved in hearing those words because I don't think any of us set out to make a mistake. We don't wake up in the morning and say, today I'm going to make the biggest screw up of my life, right? Like today is that day where I'm just going to wreck it all and make a hugely bad decision. And this is the day I'm doing that. We don't wake up or go into choices like that. I truly believe that for 99.9% of us, When we set out in the morning of our days, even back when we were teenagers or young kids, we're doing the best that we can with the best that we know how. We really are. And it's easy as we grow in wisdom and grow in life experience to look back and shame the younger version of ourselves, believing that, ugh, they should have known better. I should have known better. And we have this distaste for our younger selves. We rarely offer compassion or grace towards ourselves in in parts of our story we're not proud of. And one thing I've really learned as of lately is that my whole story matters. You'll hear me say that um, in my intro to this show because it's it's so important to me that I say it over and over again, not only to you, but to myself, that your story matters. Every piece of it, even the shame-filled parts, even the what you would call mistakes, they matter and they have value. And you may say to me, you know, listening to this going, uh, ugh, what value does that crap hole of a mistake have because all that came out of that was garbage right i'll tell you what value it has it has value in that it marked you it has value in that it probably deepened you it probably took you to depths you didn't know you could travel it probably wedged inside of your heart somewhere underneath all that shame is a heart of compassion for other people in that same scenario it probably grew you in your wisdom in how to make decisions that are filled with a little bit more life experience. It probably gifted you in the way that you can extend yourself to younger people looking up to you, whether they be children or other people's children. You now have words that have weight because of that valley that you went through that you call a mistake. I'll tell you one thing, when I look at heroes and models that I, I look to that that have written great works, that have lived philanthropic lives, that have left marks on their time in, in history, when I look at those figures, I don't look at them and shame their mistakes or their quote unquote bad choices. I look at them and I say, thank God. You went down those roads because you helped me when I was down that road, because you helped me know how to avoid that road, because you offered me hope when I was buried under that road. I don't look at them and call their valleys mistakes. I look at them and I call them models of, of heroic lives that I want to model myself after. So we have to learn to extend that kind of view and perspective to ourself and to our decisions and our choices that we want to just brush aside as a before Jesus testimony and just you know say it was all wiped away when we got saved or changed or redeemed or whatever you want to call it. I think that that is doing such a disservice to the human experience and such a disservice to the life that God has been walking with you through the whole time. And I know, I know that a lot of people, when they, when they share their testimonial story, they usually do, you know, put in there a, but God was with me, but God brought me through, but then God, right? So I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. They do give God some value there, but not enough value to tell the story in a way that that part is meaningful, Other than just a before and after snapshot. Instead, what if we told our stories in a way that sounded like the whole thing was the after Jesus story? How crazy would that be? Like, what if we told our whole story from beginning to end as though it was all an after saving moment? What would that look like? What would that sound like? You know, ironically, I think it would sound closer to the truth. I think it would sound closer to the authentic you and the authentic journey you've been on. Sadly, inside of Western Christianity, we've been... Taught to believe that the only story worth sharing is the after Jesus story, and that that is really when we step into our true selves. Well, I believe I've been my true self my whole life <laughs> because my true self has been present my whole life. Now, she didn't always make an appearance. My true self sometimes got buried really far, and years later I had to dig down and find her. But she's been a present character in the whole scene of my life from day 1. And in fact, she was probably the most present the further back you get in my life, right? You know, I I know a lot of people will say that and and we had Jim Lee, an amazing um, counselor, pastor, therapist on the show last week. And if you missed that episode, oh my gosh, go back and listen. It was so amazing. And I had like a thousand aha moments the whole way through, but you know, he talks about trauma that we experience when we're younger and how much those dramatically impact our, our present adulthood lives. And so, this idea of us not being our true authentic self until after we have a salvation conversion experience is just a falsity because your authentic self is usually who you're trying to get back to after your, after your salvation experience, right? Like, and therapists will encourage you, talk to your nine-year-old self, give her empathy, give her compassion, right? Like, there's usually in healing sessions of therapy... Or, or self-inner work that you're doing, you're dealing with your childhood self because you're like, I, I want to get back to that. I want to get back to that innocence. I want to get back to that wide-eyed wonder. I want to get back to that adventurous person I used to be, right? Like we long for who we were when we were babies, who we were when we were children, who we were before we got saved. Has that ever even clicked? Why do we have this desire to go back to that if that's not our real authentic self? If the only reason we were born was to eventually grow up to the age of accountability and get saved and then become our authentic self. Why? Why? Why is there this desire that science and psychology and therapists, Christian and non-Christian alike, agree there's value and merit to looking backwards to who you were when you were younger and uncovering that soul? I think it's because the Jesus story in all of us began at the beginning of our life, at the beginning of our timeline. It's been going the whole time. And to discredit that is doing yourself and the world such a huge disservice. So, one thing I've been trying to do is when I tell my story, if it's with safe people, which again, we talked about in last week's episode, um, amazing insight on safe relationships and how to build them. When I'm telling my story with a safe person or with a safe community, I've really been challenging myself to own all of it. And and that sounds so easy because we're used to owning it, but we're used to owning it in a shame-filled way. Like, oh, well, you know, when I was 22, I blah, blah, blah. You know, we don't own the whole story as though we're proud of the whole story. And I think we should be. I'm now looking back. my life and I am seeing with compassion the Anna that was present the whole time doing the very best that she could with what she had and I'm proud of that and I can honestly say that given what I knew back then I probably would have made the decisions all over again I would have probably continued to do the same life over and over again if you sent me back I'd probably do it again because I only had the tools that I had to work with. And I did the best with those tools that I had. Now, if you sent, you know, 37-year-old me back in time, she would do things differently. Why? Because I've learned through all of those choices. I don't want to call them mistakes. I almost did. I've learned through them. I've learned and I've grown. And I've just, they those valleys in my life, let me, let me just say it this way. When I tell my story and I own the choices that I made, not in an apology way, but in a yes, I made this choice and I'm proud of this choice, I'm owning it because of what it did to me. It grew me. It shaped me. It developed me into this person that I like more and more the older I get. And who is sitting in front of you today would not be who she is without all of those decisions that I made behind me. The decisions that I did the very best that I could with what I had. There's a story um, in the Bible that I imagine a lot of you are familiar with. And it's funny, my girls came home from school, or maybe it was church. They, they go to a Christian school, so it could have been either. Um, talking about the woman who um, gave what she had, right? Like she only had the two coins and she gave them anyway and it was all that she had, but she gave. And so, you know, this is taught in a tithing message or it's taught in a generosity given message, right? Like we've heard it spun a lot of different ways. But my favorite thing about that story is that she gave what she could. The simplicity of that truth is is a universal truth. Because I think that's everyone's story. I really do. I think in seasons of our life that we look back on that we feel ashamed of or we feel like we could have done better, if you're really, really honest and you're able to let go of that shame-blurring lens but just look at it with clear eyes, you'll look back and see that you gave what you could. You did what you could. And because of that, it matters. The beauty of that story in scripture is that everyone, you know, looked at what she gave as such a small, meaningless gift because what she had was so devalued, right? It didn't hold much monetary value in their society. Um, And I think that we look at our own stories that way we look at our stories and we see what we did with the tools that we had the choices we made behind us and we don't see the value in them we see it like those two coins and it's like ugh, it doesn't hold any value I could have done better I I could have worked harder and, and done better and I could have done this or that differently um instead of the lens that Jesus helps us see through that story, which is, no, that that gift that she gave was more valuable because she gave all she could. And it didn't hold value to those on the outside, but it held value to him and it probably held a lot of value to her if she would have allowed herself to see it as that. Who knows how she saw her gift? Maybe she went home kicking herself that that was all she had and felt shame and guilt over it. That would probably be an accurate human response. But the story lends itself towards seeing past what culture, even our Christian cultures, would see as not valuable. In all of our stories, I sincerely believe we did what we could with what we had. And whether it amounted to two pennies or (laughs) $2,000, if you're going to look at it in monetary terms, um, it was what you had. And that's what makes it meaningful. And that's what makes it part of your timeline that should be recognized and should be valued. I sometimes wonder, if we shifted our stories to how present and powerful the divine was in our lives before we even knew to call it that, before we even had the language, before we had the terminology, before we had the Bible verses to attach to things, how we might tell our stories differently. And for me, when I take off that lens and I look at my story honestly, free of shame, free of God, Christianity language, if you will, and just the, the naiveness of who I was back then. When I just look at it through that lens, I see the marks of divine love, grace, acceptance, and compassion all over it. And I see the the, um, holes that I found myself in where I felt like I was literally six feet under and not going to survive. I look at those places in my story and I feel empowered by them. It's weird. I used to feel so much shame and and like I had to apologize quickly over my first divorce and apologize quickly over the ending of my next marriage and try to find something that I could grapple with that would make me seem acceptable and worthy. And now it's funny. There's this shift has taken place where I have moved out of that and moved into this space where I see those stories as the most valuable pieces of my life. Because of what they did to me, because of how they grew me and shaped me and the places my soul had to travel out of survival at times. it It's a beautiful story. And so my challenge to you, and I don't normally give challenges, but I'm going to give a challenge this week. That'll be fun, right? That's kind of a trendy thing. I'm going to give this week's challenge. Yeah, we're going to do a challenge, Okay. And i'm going to include myself in the challenge and this challenge is this i would like you to tell your story whether it be to a friend or on a piece of paper or in an email to me i want you to tell your story from a lens beginning to end as though the whole thing was your after jesus conversion tell the whole story that way own the whole story as though God was with you and present and for you, and you were trying to do the right thing the whole way through. None of this, well, I didn't know any better. None of this, well, you know, I just was young, and so I made a mistake. No. Own the whole story as though it has value. Own the whole story as though every piece of it was God-ordained, God-appointed, And and I have to clarify, not from the sense of abuse or people doing things harmful to you. I don't believe God ever ordains or sanctifies or condones or plans or wills any of that on any of us. I don't mean it that way. I mean the choices you made. The choices you made. Tell the story as though the choices you made were God appointed, God's will, God planned, all the language that we know. Tell it that way. And see how different your story sounds. I sometimes believe that we shortchange ourselves and we shortchange God um, so much because we're so buried in this blanket of shame that was never meant to cover us. Like, ever. I think that's one of the main reasons Jesus came was to show us that our lives don't have to be filled with shame. You know, he was constantly defending. He was constantly um, protecting. He was constantly including. And all of those things oppose shame. You know, when shame shows up, it excludes, it condemns, it pushes out, it punishes, it separates. Shame does all of those things. And Jesus so gracefully continued to interact with people doing the opposite of that over and over and over again. And this is before, you know, these people, none of them had a salvation prayer moment. None of them went to the cross and asked for forgiveness. Like, no, he taught them just in their everyday normal life. Before they even knew who he was, he showed them that their story didn't have to include shame. I think I think we're capable of doing that too, and I think that we were designed to live free from shame. I really do. So, there's your challenge, my friends. Your challenge is to own your story, tell it from the lens as though God was with you in every decision you made and that every decision that you made was God approved of and God ordained and, and own the story. Even if it's just between you and me, own that story inside of you. See how different you view yourself and your journey after that. I love you guys. I love your stories. I love your journeys. I love connecting with you and hearing what you're doing, hearing how you're shifting and moving and growing—it's it's just a beautiful thing to to get to be a part of. And if you think that this show is is benefiting you, if it's a an adding a value to your life, support the show. And the ways you can do that is you can you can subscribe. You can rate and review us on iTunes. That's a huge way to show support. You can tell a friend about the show. You could share the episode. Um, Any of those ways, they, they support what we're doing here. So support us. Love you guys. And I can't wait to connect again next week. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.